Yes, we're here for Chimp Chat and Chill. Oh, <laughs> already started on a bad note. That's a good note. Okay. Do you actually put that? Like, is it? Don't start asking those kind of questions. It's too early. It's four twenty-four in the a.m. <laughs> All right. You don't want to know how the sausage is made, man. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Don't you want to just let it be magic? No. Like you listen to it and you're like, ah, how did she get that music in there? Wait, didn't you say something about sausage? All right. So it's Jim Chat and Chill, a podcast where filmmakers discuss filmmaking. Filmmaking. And you guys sausage. heard about filmmaking? I've heard about film. Is that like vaping? <laughs> yeah. Film vaping? It's like vaping, but with maps. Uh, filmmaking topics. So my name is Sonia Campbell. Mm, that's it. Uh, Nick Huarte is here, Frank Armanderas, and Johan Carlo. Um, today we are going to talk about art direction or production design and then scores. We'll see how far we get with art direction though. So yeah. Nice. Yeah. Like art direction that. is a really fun and cool topic and I don't know. I like it. Yeah. Sonia, why is it so fun and cool? <laughs> um, because... I think if you have the right art director with the right team on a film, it can raise that production value so much and make it that much more outstanding. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think, you know, all of us are really appreciative of when we see really awesome production design and just want to point it out. And like when Nick goes on Google and starts looking up things while we're doing the podcast, so you can figure out what he's going to talk about. That's cool too. That's never happened once. <laughs> it happens every time. Name one instance that I've done that. Right now. <laughs> Tough to say. So. I'll shoot you some stuff. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of thinking about the difference between an art director and a production designer, and I think with the way that we work, I don't need to look it up, bitch, today, because I already looked it up two days ago. Um, <laughs> the way that we work, though, is it's kind of a combined title, really, you know, it's yeah. just art department, and then someone does pretty much everything, or two people do everything, but um, in the olden days, the art director would work directly below the production designer and then they'd collaborate with set decorator and set designer. But like for our purposes, we can just combine it into one sort of topic. The way that we're used to is art direction, production design is kind of just all in one, all encompassing. Yeah, so we'll just for all intents and purposes, this is about art department. Yeah. Nice. No, That's it's art cute. direction. Okay then. Okay, so, so I said today we can uh, talk about some really great examples that stand out to us with art direction, um, and we can talk about film and series, you know, television, since they're so intertwined lately. Um, but yeah, uh, first of all, I want to ask around the table here, who has Blade Runner 2049 on their list? Is it 2049? Mm -hmm. Who has it on their list? Uh, I anybody? Don't have a list, but um, if I, had I thought Nick list, would definitely have it at the number one. I've never one. seen the movie. You have it as number one on your list, don't you? For Why are you spoiling design? this for me? <laughs> well, I will compete with you with the original Blade Runner. Um, I figured all of you would have it on your yeah, mental sure. list, right? Yeah. Well, I figured it would be on there just in general. Because, but I, I didn't put <laughs> Wait, it. On was my this list. all like a oh. setup so right, you can make Frank, fun of us? I didn't put it on any yep, list. That's the end of the podcast. What else is on your list, though? Moulin Rouge, the greatest <laughs> showman. <laughs> Singing in the rain. Nosferatu, nineteen twenty-two. All right. <laughs> well, you don't need to be so flamboyant today. Um, that's just his personality. Leave him alone. 
Well, okay, let's just get it out of the way, Nick. Blade Runner 2049, definitely on your list. Why? <laughs> it's so obvious why. Like, it's got its dick out all over the place with production design. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like, that movie is like, hey, look at my giant art dick yeah. and weep. Yeah. Like, it's, like, your eyes are like filled up and you're like, I can't take it anymore. And it's like, oh no, there's some more. Yeah. Yeah, it it's is. An art cum shot. <laughs> Can that be the title of this episode? Yeah. An art cum shot? Sure, but I'm spelling cum properly. Sure, why not? Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, I, uh, Blade Runner 2049, uh, so much of the world building in that comes down to production design, obviously, uh, but I think it's a lot more than just that. It's the tone, it's the whole atmosphere of how the thing feels. Mm -hmm. uh, it's this strange mix of buildings that we know could possibly exist, but there's just these things that are like kind of funhouse mirror mm -hmm. uh, skewered versions of it. Um, that also feels like a continuation from the original one. Uh, and actually I heard, I'm trying to think if it was with the production designer or it may have been with the director, uh, but them talking about how they went to the original one uh, to like look out like, all right, this takes place X amount of years after. Right. How would this How would this world change over this time period? All right, so what else do you have to say about it? Because I have some stuff to say about the original in comparison to... Um, if you want to say your stuff about the original, because then I'm going to bash all of that stuff. No, um, I'm going to bash something... all of your stuff. No, no I have rather... nothing to bash about it. There, there's That's stupid. Like, I can't say anything negative about you our direction. I can bash Blade Runner. That's bashable. I'm saying yeah. Blade Runner 2049. You can bash it. Oh, yeah. That's uh, unbashable. I'm talking about the original. <laughs> why can, wait, why, why can't you bash Blade Runner? I mean, why can you? Why can you? Yeah, like what Like what would you have to say? Like, about maybe? the original? No, if we're, if we're talking strictly about production design, I, I would have some things to compare against the two where I prefer the original's production design over the 2049 production design. Um, but it's just a taste. Is that because it's more like practical? Do you want to know? Or yeah, I know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly why. Okay. Um, because like Nick was saying, I mean, I know it's set towards it's the future, right. but I um, I love that film noir, like yeah. old school, they like yeah. wet the streets down. Yeah, yeah. Um, they use like a Warner Brothers lot. It just, like everything. It's dirtier. It's yeah. dirtier. And it makes you feel like that's a real place. Like yeah. that's a fucking city. Um, that's a real place, and like even down to all of the extras walking around in the background, like it just feels more gritty and real. And it, I mean, it suits that film at that time. Um, but I still feel like that feeling you get, like you, you ever go like downtown LA and it's raining and it feels all Blade Runnery, yeah, you know, or New York City anytime. Especially right by the Rialto where that red light is just kind of bouncing off the street. Looks kind of cool. I said LA, not well, fucking saying... Tucson. You said a street. Where you're Nothing about Tucson ever feels Blade Runner-y unless literally a guy who's <laughs> insane running down the street with a blade. That's about <laughs> it. Um, so anyways, Blade Runner, the original, like like you were saying, it feels more practical. It has more, um, even the extras feel like real people walking around. In the 2049 version, I felt like if we're comparing that particular aspect, the extras are just like, you stand here, exactly here, you are precisely here. You know, everything is kind of like really well placed. Um, it doesn't feel as choreographered in the original. The original, it felt very, like, overpopulation was like, really evident in the film. Yeah. 
It's like everywhere in the city, they're just like crowded in a mass of people. Or yeah. in that bar, it's just totally packed shoulder to shoulder, uh, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess it kind of gets to like a bigger conversation then about just art being subjective and like what you prefer, not prefer. Um, I don't think there's like, I was joking earlier about Blade Runner. Of course, I don't think there's like anything bad about the original Blade Runner. I just prefer the new one more to it because I don't have any sort of emotional relationship to the original one, uh, which I do think plays a big part in it. We've talked sort about it in the past. But I then I think beyond that, it's just looking at like, which of these two stories, these two approaches, connects with you more? And what? for me, the newer one has a bigger impact. And like, yeah, I, I like know. the methodic like approach that. And I don't like this in like all movies, but I like it in twenty forty nine, where there is like a stilted quality to it. Because I definitely hear what you guys are saying. Like the original feels much more organic, much more lived in. Um, something Frank and I were talking about before we even started recording was the idea of, like, the best compliment you can give to pretty much any department, whether it's art or editorial or cinematography or directing or writing or acting, is that it's invisible, that you don't notice it. It doesn't stand out. Um, but that's, you know, its own... I don't know. I, I really like when something stands out, um, when something feels like another character in a film, like if sound design is like, holy shit... Like, you notice it. And, I mean, I think film nerds always notice every single thing that stands out in a film. But I'm talking about in a positive way. Like, all of, our, all of my picks, and I think everyone's picks, should be things that really stood out in the film and kind of overpowered mm -hmm. other things, maybe. Um, sound design and art. I like things that are kind of over the top. So I think that's then becomes more of, like, a theory argument, right? Like, yeah. Go ahead. I was just saying, like, I mean, I, you, were, you had some thoughts earlier about... Like the thoughts? invisibility of things. Well, actually, I mean, I mean, I kind of, I, I have, I have a, kind of a, <laughs> a, a, a bigger question. It's like, obviously, there's a very clear line when you're looking at older movies about the the fingerprint of art directing, especially when you're looking at like the first Blade Runner. It's all practical and stuff. But when you get into a period of film like, let's say, Avatar, where is that line drawn between what's actually production design and what is composited stuff, and where? How is how is like sort of the the role of the art director? Um, do they have to kind of introduce their technology or technology into their department as well? Like I don't. That's hard for I, me to even think of Avatar's art design as something uh, that I because enjoy. I mean in, in our conversation even with with Oscar, there's there's a lot of practical things like having certain rocks in places and having control of the sun, and there's a lot of manipulation involved with with it but it's there's also this whole vr world that's being created well, the, as well yeah that also yeah, becomes interesting because then it turns into VR, this well then it but it becomes design. this thing of like you know if you look at like the incredibles 2 just came out do we look at the no. production design of that or no, i mean yeah. is there a reason why but why can't you though like why right. is it not is it i mean they still have sets in there they or? have Props yeah, in there, they have costuming stuff. in there. I think it's animation, and we're talking about animation and CG, you get into something else. Sure, there was somebody who said, let's do these colors and it'll have this look, but I don't consider that production got, like, design. Designer, like, yeah, because I mean, production design isn't just strictly a film thing. It, it crosses over into marketing and advertising. Yeah, we're not talking about all that boring bullshit. Let's get back to the, the topic at hand. But I, I, I do, I, I don't want to dodge it completely, though, because I feel I like, do. well, I feel like boring. there's another conversation there, though, 
Because you had talked about earlier about how practical, like you like it because it's practical, and I think like that's people that consider no, 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 and I'm, I'm not like trying to say like that's the box that you're in is because it's practical, but I do think there's a thing that like myself included and other people who are film fans of like oh they did it practically that's so much better than if they did it digitally, but is that I never feel that way. Like I just I feel like but that there is that conversation. I feel like that's out there of this practical versus the digital or digital set extensions mm -hmm. somehow are looked down upon versus if something's done practically. Eh, I think Lord of the Rings, for example, is a great, a great like you know combination of practical and CGI uh, together because it was seamless. And if you're talking about that as far as the visibility, then yeah. totally. You know, like if it lends to the story, if it doesn't make it stand out, like then it's it, you know. I think then that excels. We have a difference between a CGI Yoda and a puppet Yoda, and puppet Yoda looks way fucking right, better yeah. just because to the eye, what looks more realistic, what looks more seamless within that story, within that world. So I mean, it's just a, I think it's just a choice, and I have no problem with something that's you know got no practical as long as it looks awesome. But I don't really consider it like out of the mind of a production designer or a director when I see something that's like animated or all CGI. That's different. That's a different category to me. But it's not, not a as, come up. Yeah, it's not. That's not what we're talking about. I mean, it's nothing like less than. It's a completely different. You, just, you hold that in your brain in like a different category. Because it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a different department. That's a different group of people Digital that. Art yeah, that's a different group of people that actually come up with all of that stuff. Which is. Which I mean, not to to say there's not you know if you're going to take someone who's a you know art designer production design and tell them work with this person who's going to create it all animated and draw it um, or claymation or whatever cool but they're not taking as much part in the making of it as they are of uh, supervising it you know well i not to go too far down this tangent but to just too late. hold on down the second first a little bit longer um for the viewer that's watching it who you know i mean us as filmmakers, we make a distinguishment between live action and animation, and we know that those are totally different teams and skill sets involved. But if you're a viewer, like <laughs> casual you're not, old uh, <laughs> well, fucking citizens. Well, I just I feel like if you're a viewer, you don't really give a shit. <laughs> you know, it's more of like you care about the story, you care about these elements, and so, so we hold this. Up? Well, I'm just curious. Like, I mean, yeah. the there's a. Like, we hold this other category, and I agree with you, like, there's a different is. category, but if it's we're talking about film as being made for somebody to watch, it's not being made for filmmakers to watch, it's being made for the public to enjoy. Right, but we're talking about a specific aspect of filmmaking called art direction, and... What about something so like... So art direction, sure. production design, they're essentially responsible for the visual communication of the movie. Right? Sure, we but you're talking that. about, yeah. like, so a difference between, like... that is... You know, subcategories of these individuals yeah. that are collaborators with this exactly. person who came up with the overall For visual sure. communication. For sure. So, I mean, I just think everybody has a different skill set or area, but I think it's all yeah. like feeds its way back up to the art director or production designer, whatever you want to call it. Yes. Um, does, that, does that make sense? Yeah, or definitely. That? Okay. That's true. Yeah. Um, but I, I have a hard time comparing, like, you know, Isle of Dogs production design to something like. 
labor under 2049. Like there's just no, like I can't wrap my mind around production design for either one and how they compare. Like I'm talking about people who actually spend a lot of time with physical items and lots right, of time yeah, with I, wardrobe I, and set design and all of that shit. That's what I want to talk about. So I, I mean. Right. I get that's what you want to talk about. Yeah. But I also, I just think it's an interesting question, a thing to think about. But what's yeah. the question? Of just where where the viewer holds that in their head. If they don't they think split about it. that shit. They think soundtracks and scores are the same thing. They have no idea. <laughs> you know? I mean, yeah, overall aspects, I think that people can distinguish, if they're not fans of film, they're not going to break it down. Just like if you're not a fan of music, you can't even tell like where the bass comes in. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, meh. All right, let's talk about what you want to talk it's about. It's like, meh. Okay. Well, what, what I thought about, we all wanted to talk about art direction. What about but... a movie like The Dark Crystal? Is that one on your list that you want to talk about? Or are you just it, saying, what about? Well, I mean, in this question of like digital versus, because obviously it's not digital, it's all practical. No, let's but not. Let's just stop. Let's stop. It's not, it doesn't that's, have actor. That's, you guys production, know design, yeah. that's yeah. production design and art direction, 100%. Yeah. Dark Crystal. Okay. okay. So let's get back to um, the topic at hand. I have a whole lot more shit to say about Blade Runner, but I'm going to skip it. I just really think that, um, you know, for both films, 2049 and the original, all the time spent on creating those worlds is so just, just ridiculously over-the-top epic, you know? Like, you can't really... That's why it's the first topic on this list, you yeah. know? So, great examples, and great example of combining um, the CGI with practical stuff. So... Frank, mm -hmm. I want to hear about a film that you really admire the production design on. Um, well, actually, Lord of the Rings was one of them that nice. I had on the list. Cool. Um, Let's talk about there's, it. Um, the, the whole trilogy? or Yeah, I mean, I think as one voice, you can say that the production design across the board. I think towards the latter half, I, you know, I, don't, I really don't know, but I would mm -hmm. think that towards the latter half, they would probably use more CGI than actual Seemed practical like stuff. From, me, yeah, for, from, like, the crowds, yeah. you know. Um, but... Um, yeah, I mean, that was on my list. I had Jurassic Park well, on my list. Can we just list. talk about that more? Like, why, what about the production design did well, you like with the Lord of the Rings? Well, I feel, I, I love those kinds of, those era pieces that feel really, I guess it's, I guess it's an era piece, so to speak, but mm -hmm. it just has a really neat quality to it that, that makes the world um, more immersive, believable. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we're obviously in this weird little you know world where you have to suspend your the, the suspend your belief and it just feels it just feels real it feels authentic right everything like from it, and, and it, i think it does a really good job I and mean, the stories of like the books are kind of like, eh, you know like they're really slow burning so then to take out the core ideas of those and bring them to life the way they did and make it feel like you're really existing in this place well yeah. i think that's um, that's a huge nod to the, to the production design. Yeah, that, that I just love the idea of when uh, a, a book actually makes it to the screen and it's like, oh, wow, yeah. this is, you know, what someone imagined it as and maybe right. everybody did, you know. So it makes something fantastical feel... Almost feels like there's more, per more pressure on the production designer to make the author of that book's vision come true because they probably have a very specific idea in mind as well. Mm -hmm. And so to to make that right. their own but also still respect the vision of the original author has yeah. got to be a, an interesting challenge. Yeah, I think that's really cool that you know, it wasn't just 100% their idea that yeah. they had to make it out of someone else's world. Yeah. So, 
All right, Johan, what's a film that stands out to you in terms of its beautiful production design? And I was just going to look at some of the recent movies I watched. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's go to Nick while you're looking at those. Well, we'll no, come back I mean, around. I, I already looked at them. Oh. But, so the last movie I watched was The Bad Batch, which I had already seen. Yes. But um, have you guys all seen that? Yeah. yeah. And, you saw it? Huh? Oh, okay. Even a movie like that, which is yeah. relatively lower budget and not extravagant, but it still creates this world that's like, it's it's got this unique kind of look, plus pop mm-hmm. look, and also kind of just, uh, whims- not whimsical, what's the word? It's just kind of like, it's just weird. <laughs> yeah. It's like Turbo Kid or Revenge. And like, it's extremely like gruesome and gory, but also kind of like funny and uh, just, just that, that world that they, they have just in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And there's like piles of junk. It's not super original, but I could see that sitting anytime, like, and just enjoy it, you know. Um, so, yeah. But in terms <laughs> of the art direction, you know, it's Did not you see... super advanced. It's not this crazy digital world. It's just simple, but it's got this consistent kind of feeling and world to it. Yeah. Did you see Revenge? It's kind of no. I still want to see that. So a similar kind of world. It's not actually intentionally set in that same. Like it's not post-apocalyptic, but it's set it's in, like, um, I don't know, kind of like, uh, you know, it looks like Australia. I don't know where it actually is, but it's out in a, in a desert, and it, but it's super sleek and, like, very, uh, like, neon colors, and, and um, it's just, it's a new take on that kind of look of film, I think. It's pretty badass. I think what's really cool with Bad Batch, just going back to, like, the lower budget quality of it, is that they do specific things that makes, like, that world come to life. So something as simple as, and I don't remember exactly, but, like, there's a point where there's a fence that separates, mm-hmm. uh, I think, like, the cannibals from everybody else. But just having, like, that fence there, yeah. like, causes the viewer, I feel like, to, like, become a part of it and start, like, imagining, like, oh, what's on the other side, on either side? Like, there's this division. How far does this go? Who set up this fence? Yeah. Like all of that stuff. Same thing with yeah. you know when you have like the um, the area where like the the weightlifters all are yeah. and yeah. like what is the story behind that and mm-hmm. um, just throughout that yeah, entire movie though there's like a lot of like you can feel like this world came from someplace like yeah there's more to this mythology or to what happened here right they make the different societies kind yeah. of all different. Did they use, I, I'm trying to remember if it, was, if it was Bad Batch, but they used a lot of like vanishing points to create this distinguishing between the two worlds. I felt like that was the movie that, that did it, because you were talking about The Fence. Yeah. And hmm. I, don't, I don't remember, I could be thinking of another movie. But yeah, I, I don't like remember vanishing points that much. A lot of these much, lines but... happening to create these borders and boundaries and that kind of stuff. Hmm. And there's all these really, okay. really extreme lines where they use those kinds of things. Here's but, a theory. Uh, question: Do you consider that part of production design techniques used by a cinematographer or director? Well, I guess it it all mm-hmm. kind of blends together at yeah. some point. I mean, there's certain areas where it's very obviously like this is this, this is that. Right. But I think that's a directing choice yeah. to use vanishing, vanishing. Because that's or is it an editor? Because uh, <laughs> no, I don't think choice? an editor can choose that. He chooses the shot, but not to the actual they to conceptualize that effect. idea of. Okay, we want to use vanishing points right. as a as a narrative device, you know, mm-hmm. to to establish. At its core, I mean, it's a compositional yeah. decision, so right. that's like a director mm-hmm. cinematographer. It's a director thing, cinematographer. And then you have to have the production designer yeah. like on board. Execute that. To, yeah. 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 Right. yeah. It's all encompassing. Yeah. All right. Cool. 
give me another film you really enjoy the production design. Um, E.T. So, <laughs> that, so E.T. You know, we, we, we just did, uh, you know, we just worked on this, the our, our film, Where the Sun Goes to Die. Mm -hmm. And in um, prepping for that, uh, Natalie Kingston, who was the DP, uh, turned me on to In the Mood for Love, which I had never seen. I feel like a complete like idiot for never even knowing about this movie. I don't know anything about it. I okay. like we I'm had, an idiot. We've had long conversations about Wong Kar Wai before. I we know have. And for some reason, like, I just, I'd like, and it's yeah. like a seminal film, and I had no idea that this, like, yeah. I don't I don't know how this Tell like skipped it. Um it's just a real simple uh Korean film. Uh Chinese. What? Chinese? Chinese, Chinese, yeah. Chinese film um about uh this married man who develops feelings for this married woman, vice versa. Uh and they find out that their spouses uh have been cheating, hmm. uh been having an affair with each other, and nothing ever happens between the two, but it's just exploring that relationship. Hmm. Um but in watching that, initially I was watching it for like compositions and stuff, but uh, production design plays such a insane element, not so much in world building, because it takes place in the real world, it's not you know the craziest thing in the world to do, uh, but for tone and atmosphere of like how much does uh, just adding a plant, the right type of plant in the right, you know, the right spot in the frame, uh, you know, change the entire tone of that shot. Yeah. And you do that enough times. And it changes the entire tone of the film. Right. Is it? Um, how old is it? Two thousand, like late two thousand, like early two thousands, two thousand two, two thousand three, I think. Mm, no, actually, maybe two thousand eight. Two thousand eight. Two thousand. Two thousand. Have you ever seen this film? Yeah. You have. Okay. Did yeah, the production right. design stand out to you the same way it did? Nixon? Yeah. The, uh, I was going to say the costuming and the. the, the yeah, just the atmosphere. The and I was kind of thinking, you know, how does the location uh, play into this? Mm. Whole yeah, huge in that movie yeah. for sure. Yeah, for sure. For Why sure. is that like um, the buildings, the rooms? I mean, a lot of it's just like in apartments, but uh, mm. it's just a sort of in, like small apartment kind of. Felt much larger than what it was at times. Were they yeah. sets or or actual? Places. I, I would imagine there were set, yeah. sets. Yeah. So? yeah, I mean, just reading like the background of what went into making that film, mm -hmm. which uh -huh. is insane, because it, it really? seems like like an effortless film where like all the elements are clicking, so those elements are invisible, and it's not until like you're really like dissecting it that you yeah. see how great each piece is. Mm -hmm. um, but apparently, it was like shot over an insane amount of days and insane amount of reshoots. Hmm. Uh, like script rewrites were happening as it was going. Like wow. they, I, I'm pretty sure that those are like actual sets. Like everything was like super, super controlled, uh, which feels weird because it feels just very, um, it feels naturalistic, mm -hmm. but this sort of stylized. And a big part of the the film is the idea of uh, restraint, um, and like you know one's integrity versus one's desires and all of that. And I feel like that comes out a lot in the filmmaking techniques that they use, mm -hmm. with production design being you know, a, a big component of that. What about the exteriors? Was there a lot of controls with that? Not a lot of exteriors in it. Yeah, I think there's no, maybe really? one shot of like an alleyway. Huh. Um, I don't recall there being a lot. Most of it takes place in just like the rooms and like the hallways and just. Um, I mean, that alone makes it feel like there's a, oh, it's a huge world, but yeah. it's, it really just takes place in only a, a, a select few places. What about the score? 
Um, Did it stand out? You know, yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. yeah, it's it's beautiful. Is it? Yeah, yeah. I don't remember the score. It's, it's kind of repetitive because that that main theme kind yeah. of repeats mm-hmm. a lot. But it's. I like, like when there's like, something about repetitive in the score. Um, I just remember being very slow and kind of melancholy at times because a lot of the shots were very slow burning and they just held well, they it for a long time. A lot. Yeah, yeah, that's true. A lot of long takes. Long takes. I have a hard time sometimes with long takes. Um, even though I feel like I need to just like get in my zen place and relax, yeah. Oh, yeah. I have a hard time. That reminds me of another recent watch, um, Children of Men. Children of Men. Mm-hmm. Um, known oh. for long yeah. takes. Yeah. yeah. But that one long take is incredible. In the, <laughs> the car? It will never be. Yeah. Beat. It's ridiculous. I remember <laughs> a long take in this one movie called Ghost Story. I mean, it's just like one, like <laughs> five minutes, minutes of like eating a pie. It's literally <laughs> five minutes, like of eating a pie. That's because those are like two totally different types of long yeah. takes. Yeah. You know, one it has but like the this amazing design involved in Children of Men, especially that take as an example. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the the what they're going, you know, the place they're going through, and all of the things that are happening, and all of the bullets exploding, and the people, and the extras. Yeah. It's just, you don't think pie is part of production? <laughs> you know what? That, anybody can sit that, there and eat a pie and film it. But that's <laughs> not the only case yet. Not right anybody. Yet. What about the pie eating scene in Stand By Me? <laughs> <laughs> a ghost story is got has beautiful production. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. And it's got all of those different eras too. Yeah. So it's real. I didn't even think about that's that. That's another one, one where it's like yeah. more on like. I feel like more on the invisible side, like unless you're trying mm. to feel like, how the fuck did they make this movie work? Maybe. And then you're yeah. like, oh, well, this is one of the things that makes it work. Because right. it's also like, it's also very like tone based. Of but then when they go into the future, future that's right. where it feels like, whoa, yeah. you know, like I love that. That is a great example of like more of the uh, cool looking CG yeah. stuff. Yeah. It works because it's futuristic and you can't like just build that you know i mean miniature sets are cool too but that's that looks great like that's a really good use i think of of using something where you're going to animate it digitally is um you know big cityscapes Mm -hmm. and large crowds that's cool so what are are there uh i'll probably about to get to it but what's on like your so this might be on frank's list too but francis ford coppola's bram stoker's dracula yes. <laughs> i the godfather not dracula. oh okay yeah but that's a good one I yeah I forgot it's all about just that. so rich and luscious yeah. and sexual and epic and like not in any particular i mean it's supposed you know i guess it's like 1800s or something but it's still timeless yeah and i just love from the beginning to the end of the film like when they first show him in uh, like Romania, you know, in those wars, mm-hmm. um, that just feels like the Crusades kind of era. Just feels really like, uh, you know, but again with the like deep, dark, rich colors. And Rembrandt then, it has like a Rembrandt texture and look to. I feel I like don't think time. so. Don't think and so. then you go into the Victorian time where it's Not like. Carbaggio. That's Carbaggio. Yeah, that's what I meant. Body armor that he has. Yeah, the body armor is so fucking cool. Well, the costumes were by uh, Iko Ishioka, who's one of my my all-time favorite costume designers. She passed away, but man, did she have some intricate work. Like, if you look at the details in some of those costumes, they're just like, Mm -hmm. you're not even going to see them on camera, you know, which is so cool. I love that she just would, like, sew all these things in, like, Lucy's big bridal dress, her big wedding gown, she has like that ridiculous collar. Um, in the lace, she put like symbols for eternal life, like onks and symbols for a woman, you know. Um, so really cool. 
Um, but but also I really love that they uh, researched a lot of the era from when he comes back to find Mina, mm -hmm. um, because that era was right when things were kind of taking off with technology. So you think of like um, they started figuring out how moving pictures worked, and but it was just kind of like you could go to a place and like see like a winding sort of contraption that would show a horse, you know, trolloping mm. or something. Um, but they they make a, a lot of effort to throw in some of those like old school Hollywood techniques that started in the 1920s, um, the special the effects. Editing. What? Like in the editing? No, film? no not at all oh. in the editing. No, oh. I'm talking about within the actual practical things that they did on the film. Oh, okay. For instance, using shadows as things, which I love that. I, I, I absolutely love that in a vampire film where they just use like a big shadow. He actually just used like puppet, a puppet of yeah. Gary Oldman as an old man in front of a light and just like cast it against the back of the wall. And it looks fucking cool. You know, you can make things look super strange and supernatural. Or like filming something um, uh, forward and then playing playing it backwards, you know, mm -hmm. or vice versa. And so it looks like someone's moving very unnaturally. Yeah. Um, I love that shit. Like, Lucy jumps out of the coffin, but when they show it, she's jumping into it. Mm -hmm. um, when you watch the film, so it's reversed. Reverse. Like, something looks really odd yeah. about that. Um, but just a lot of old-school techniques, and I think that's so cool that he took all of that time to put that effort into the film, making this huge art production out of the film. He just made it, like so just beautiful and perfect to where you don't even care how bad Keanu Reeves is. <laughs> so That's my favorite part. God, Keanu it's Reeves. so weird because he even took so much time training all of the actors. Like he took them to his ranch and he had them like learn how to waltz and interact together and all this shit to train them and do all these exercises with them for like a couple months, I think. Yeah. But he cast Keanu Reeves, and I like Keanu Reeves. I love Keanu Reeves, but he's an action star. You know, he's not. He's I love not him a in drama. <laughs> All right. Well, he was terrible. He's a good cameo actor. Yeah, I love him in cameos. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, I did want to also give a little cool trivia. I think it's cool. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. The art director of uh, Dracula, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Mm -hmm. He, his name is Andrew Precht, and he was uh, nominated for several Oscars and the grandson of Ed Sullivan, just kind of. Ah. He died, unfortunately, back in 95, and he was only 34 years old. Jeez. That's sad. I hate to think about um, people who had so much more potential in them. Um, and we'll probably talk about Johan Johansson mm. later. So, um, His work was also in The Abyss, Dances with Wolves, Glory, Misery, Hook and Legends of the Fall. So, wow. Shit. Yeah. All right. Um, let's move on. Give us another example. Uh, no. Let's just keep going. When I edit all the stuff where you guys make fun of me, it's going to be shorter. <laughs> you should keep that stuff in. <laughs> no. People are going to like that. They're going to be like, why didn't you guys make fun of her more? Well, then I'm going to eat this piece of pizza if you're editing. Because things. you see the look on my face and you shut the fuck up. Are you no. going to edit that out? That's yeah, right. that was bad. All right. Free. Um, What's another one? Okay, so I think staying with the theme of, of, of vampires, um, yes. a movie we had just 
watched together. Well, not together, but we were talking about Interview with the Vampire. Because <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was just really funny that you, that you saying that, and then it was just like, it just turned up on Netflix. I was like, oh, snap. I had yeah. seen this in a really long time. Right. That's the reason I watched it, too. And I was pretty psyched, and about 15, 20 minutes into it, that's how I'm, long it took. Yeah, yeah. I had to get past the Christian Slater like <laughs> effect that it was. I was like, man, I haven't seen him in a really long time. I'm kind of liking this. But then when I saw Tom Cruise happening and <laughs> Brad Pitt happening, and I just started to feel real uncomfortable about yeah. this whole experience. And I watched it. I watched it all the way through. And really, the most redeeming quality of all of it is the production design. That Definitely. the production design. It, it just it draws you into that whole movie from from being in Europe uh, yeah. to New Orleans and yeah. um, just the the world the environment the atmosphere the that they create the costumes are yep. so cool um, yeah they did a great job of actually staying true yeah. to the novels in, yeah. with the production design yeah that's um, I was actually the makeup like, looks great too the makeup does look good I like yeah. the eyes and the fangs yeah um, I like that they it's just, off the tangent a little bit, but I like the the teeth in and uh, the way they're all yeah. very sharp, and not just the right, face. right. When they weren't like ready to suck right. some blood, they still had kind of pointed. I thought that was kind of a, a, a neat little character thing, yeah, you know, um, that they did. But, yeah, it looked great. Yeah. It, it's a really good looking film. And when I was a teenager, I was like, I, I remember being like, uh, eh, I don't know about this cast. Yeah, I mean, just because I mean, nothing wrong with any of those actors, but I didn't ever think of them as those characters whatsoever yeah. I was like Tom Cruise you know obviously they wanted to make it a big film they wanted to get a lot of people at, in the seats and they did because um, they had to have big names but you know like Anne Rice her idealist dot was Wrecker Har yeah <laughs> way too old but you know like if you could go back in time if River Phoenix had been alive at the time it would have been great yeah. in there I, I would have thought of more like kind of I guess indie or unknown actors back then in the mm -hmm. 90s um you know, maybe if you had to go big, Daniel Day Lewis, but ooh, that would have been good. Yeah, um, but you know, the, none of nobody was well cast at all. And like I was saying on Facebook, I thought the very best acting in the film, and this is funny compared to his co-stars, co but it definitely was Antonio Banderas. <laughs> he he, like yeah. was committed. You know, I forgot that he was in there <laughs> he, until he showed up in the middle of the street. I was like, "What are you doing here?" He's got man? his long rocker hair. Yeah. I was yeah. looking for you know, a guitar or something. For he was him. the only one that felt like a real vampire, though. Yeah. You know? That world was really, really, it was really rich to me. Just yeah. his whole underground world was I love really that. fascinating yeah. to me. Um, Again, not at all the right person as compared to that character in the sure. book. But, you know, it's hard to, like, separate the two. Um, but anyway, just talking about production design, definitely... Great example of yeah. Overall, are you a Christian Slater fan? <laughs> Actually, uh, my 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 comment would be uh, Christian Slater. He's fine in it, but just he's just a regular dude. Yeah, he's <laughs> just he's literally just interviewing someone. Yeah. You can't really fuck that up, you know. Um, I've actually never seen it. You haven't. Uh, it's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is not. It is not good. You guys Nick. just talked about how bad it was. Yeah. Why are you saying it's pretty good? What's wrong with you? From production design standpoint. I mean, <laughs> yeah, but that's it. Otherwise, it's, it's not, not the worst. The book. Okay, like, I'm like, it's oh, not, it's the, not worst. the worst. <laughs> okay. I will vouch for that. And I, and I think here's the thing: is that he's seen it for the first time, and now we've kind of influenced how he's going to approach it. But I think if you were seeing it for the first time, like you know, like when you were 14 or 15, yeah. whenever you saw it, like when I saw it the first time. 
I mean, I probably saw it like four or five times. And then like 10 years goes by and I watch it again. I'm like, hmm. This doesn't hold oh, up. Yeah. Well, there's yeah. like a Not bunch of people in it, right? It's yeah, like I mean, Kirsten Dunst is like super Kirsten young Dunst, in there. Yeah. She's 12, but she's supposed to be 5. Um, oh, Brad yeah. Pitt plays Louis. She plays a really weird role in that movie. It's Well, in the book, it's, you know, um, a 5-year-old girl, and they turn into a vampire, and then they're kind of like her like fathers, basically. But she internally grows to be a woman, and she's oh, kind of like yeah. resentful. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, better than True Blood. Okay. So there you go. I why they had an older <laughs> actors play the character. Because well, yeah, of course that's why. But it's still, it, you know, didn't I would rather see a younger actor. I mean, she's 12. You know, it wasn't Claudia, not in my mind. Um, and I read those watch, books. I, I, was telling, I think I was telling you, I was, like, I was trying to imagine like the the difference between the interview with the vampire and then when she's in Jumanji because I had I, I, it was so weird to me like these are the same it's the same actress and I feel like it's relatively within the same time span and it's just like this is I don't know why this is so odd to, to see this you know this is a little bit off topic but I think the problem is um, when you look at her uh, Brad Pitt and um, Tom Cruise, right? They're all obviously good actors, yeah. and we've all seen them grow as actors, and, and like we all have seen them in films where we're like, damn, they were great in this movie or whatever yeah. movie. But at that time, the language, some of it was taken directly from the books and supposed to be kind of um, flowery, you mm-hmm. know, because that's the era. And they didn't deliver those lines well at all. Like Antonio yeah. Banderas has this accent, he's all Spanish and shit, you know, he, he's like, <laughs> He says, like, ridiculous lines, and it sounds good when he says yeah. it, because it sounds exotic. But when just, like, some frat boy kind of voice says a <laughs> line that sounds like that, like, you, you know, or, like, Keanu Reeves, exactly the same thing. Problem. You wish me to stay so long. Like, are you <laughs> supposed to be English now? I, I'm confused, you know? Like, they go back and forth with yeah. accents. They just don't know how to deliver those kind of strange, hard-to-deliver lines. Right. You know, and then it brings the whole movie down to like a weird level. It happens a lot in Western films too. Does it? Yeah, because you know, there's a very particular way. What is it like? The I've read that if you want to write like a Western to read, what is it? Tom Sawyer books or something like mm-hmm. that. But because the way that he writes is very reflective of that particular era, so mm-hmm. when you write a script, it's Western. Um, read those kinds of books so that you can write those, and then when actors go to deliver those lines, it just yeah. sounds so disingenuine, and yeah, it just. It just sounds weird. If they don't have the right affleck or if they yeah. don't study, like, you know, like, for instance, like Ed Wood, it's cool because, you know, the way they talk is kind of like the way that people used to talk back in the 50s. Right. You know, when you can hear that cadence, it's yeah. way different than people talk now. Yeah. So, what do they call it? That's like the, is that the mid-Atlantic or the, it's not that, it's sure. the, but that, like, classic, like, television, yeah. news, But people talk like that, too. Yeah. yeah. Well, that see... was the transatlantic? Is that what is that the, is Yeah, that what I think they did that specifically for radio. They had to enunciate certain letters or, or vowels. Yeah, or yeah like but if you ever clear, see, but... like, interviews, the beauty pageants or some shit like that, people did talk like that. Because then right? it had, like, did, did they already talk like that, or did it have, like, an influence <laughs> where sure. it was, like... It, it probably had an influence, because yeah. that's yeah. how things are even to this day, because yeah. pop culture influences, you know, like, right. the vocal fry, the yeah. vocal fry. Like, that is... You know about the vocal fry? 
Well, that's like a in yours, the Kardashians. <laughs> Kardashians do it, but it is like a kind of pulp culture, <laughs> like girls talk, and some guys with um, that weird uh, kind oh, of thing in their god. voice. Oh my god! And that becomes like a thing that other girls learn, and you hear people out in the streets talking that way. That's so, why, like, sometimes girls, like, when they first go to like a new university. Yes. Like, because they're surrounded they by totally people who are talking like that, right. like, yeah. all their voices yeah. just shift. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. There you go. I want to start talking like that. You should start that. That's not cultural appropriation at all. I remember being on a... Only white people do stuff like that. Everybody adopts it. I remember being on a phone call with a client, and the this girl had the most ridiculous vocal fry, like, every single word. Like, usually it's just a little bit here and there, but she was just like... And then if you uh, like, are you oh a fucking God. frog? <laughs> but before that, it was like the valley girl thing. Wasn't yeah, it? it was like a valley girl oh, type of thing, and then it became the vocal fry. Anyway, that seems reasonable. Yeah. Whose okay, turn well, is it to so share a movie? Just thinking of Brad Pitt um, <laughs> <laughs> and his vocal fry. Or yeah, no, and his and his act, his failure to do accents. Do you, do you think that Quentin Tarantino was like making fun of him in um, Glorious Bastards? The way his character like. No. You don't Man. think that's a joke about his bad acting no. in various movies? Like uh, no. Seven Years in Tibet, he's supposed to be he's supposed to have a German accent and it just sounds no. ridiculous. Well, I feel like that's more of like I want to hear how this sounds. He did it. Cool. Let's do that. <laughs> I liked it. I like him in that movie. I like Brad Pitt and everything, so I'm biased. <laughs> I can't say There's a weird old movie in from, like, from the eighties. Actually, meh about Fight Club. <laughs> One percent of time here. All right, all right. There's a weird old movie in the '80s that Brad Pitt was in where he's got some weird disease where he can't go out in the sun and he's wearing like an all black latex outfit. Does this sound familiar? <laughs> yes. Yeah, and it's not on his IMDb. It's fucking ridiculous. But he's super young in it. I mean, it predates Thelma and Louise, right? Like, by a time. long time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like I remember watching it when I was like in eighth grade on television, and I was like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> It's it's really strange. It's like the, Brad Pitt the boy with the blah blah. Oh, yeah. latex! I went with the agoraphobia. <laughs> what? You said he didn't. He was afraid of going outside or something. That's not. No, uh, he was allergic to the sunlight. Or oh. Something. All right. Let's get back to the topic while he's looking that up. Um, <gasps> who's next? Oh, uh, more art design stuff. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah I say, um, just like Willow. No. Um, well, yeah, because I was going to say, wait, no, not uh, Legend, <laughs> but I was thinking Ridley Scott, all of his yeah. movies, the art, oh, no, I can't say 100%, but. Okay. Oh, sidetrack, The Dark Side of the Sun is this weird <laughs> fucking movie. <laughs> wow. Yeah, look, he was all pale. He had really pitted skin at that time. So pitted. So pitted, that's where Brad Pitt came Look at him there, he's like a gimp. He, oh. So, really fucking weird. It is so weird. That's yeah. so weird. And you remember like that. Like I was saying, theater. he's not. It's not in his IMDb. It's just like hidden. American Yugoslavian film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's where Brad Pitt's from. All right. So, do you have another film where you're like you're talking about Ridley Scott? Yes, Ridley Scott. Mm -hmm. He is like the art director. Director. <laughs> he's the <laughs> art director's director. Blade Runner, Alien, Legend. Yes. Um, amazing early of his early films. Even um, the Duelist mm -hmm. uh, art direction in all his movies. And he, uh, I'm not going to say he was the art director, but he kind of was. Like he was very 
very involved in the entire movie yeah, of those films. Definitely. That yeah. You could name pretty much anything and they have yeah. serious art direction going on. So I'm just gonna throw that out there, Ridley Scott is my Cool. Um I'm sure you'll hear this too. I have another one. Is it my turn? Yes. Okay. Nick, are you ready? Are you ready, Nick? Sure. Okay. Um, or did I just go? I Wait, know. I don't know. Are you asking me to go, or are you going? I don't know. You said it was your turn, <laughs> and you asked me if I was ready. I'm not sure whose turn it is. All right, I can it's say some turn, stuff. Because he just went. I got All some right. thoughts. No, I got one. <sighs> Fine. All right. Um, Road to Perdition. Sam Mendes mm. film. Yeah. I mean, fuck yeah. And it actually was an Oscar nomination for Best Art Direction Production Design. Um, it did win Best Cinematography that year. Who was the um, DP on that? I don't know. Leave me alone. You brought it up. I didn't fucking look up the DP on it. Uh, oh, Conrad L. Hall. <laughs> did you? <laughs> you dipshit. So what I love about, well, has everyone seen it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's so awesome about the production design is how they research that era and the authenticity. And they make it. They just like take that world, kind of like Boardwalk Empire does, but they take that era and that world and they just like boost it up just a bit to where it's just like all of the scenes look almost like, like there's scenes where they're just panning across people hanging out in a restaurant and every single frame looks like out of a, a, a painting from that era, yeah. you know? It's just such a fucking cool looking movie. I love the color scheme and how um, the design is super character-oriented. And um, that scene in the rain where, oh my God, that is, it gives me chills just to watch that with the black umbrellas. And uh, it's so emotional, you know? Like the production design lends so much to that whole film and making it feel um, not only authentic, but just all of the visceral reactions you have. Um, it's brought out by every element of production design, costume, sound design, and yeah, there he's bringing up the, his, the cars, the costumes, the hats, the way the rain looks, you know, like everything about it like is just That's awesome. perfect. You know, it's a fucking that sleek looks so much like Speak up, dude. Um Speak up. This is I'm just talking to Nick. Can, can <laughs> the microphone out. can still hear uh, you. No, <laughs> no, I was going to say that this picture that you're looking at reminds me of Which the is... Grandmaster from Road to Perdition. This scene the reminds me. Scene. Yeah, it reminds me of of um, the Grandmaster. If you mm. look at Grandmaster, the scene where um, uh, Yip Man is fighting in the rain, it looks like even the same color palette. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. Which came first? Uh, road to Perdition. Okay. <laughs> Where's a wide shot of it? All right, so... Um, this makes pretty good radio, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the production designers were uh, Dennis Gassner and Nancy High. Um, Dennis Gassner, who you may know from... Uh, everybody shut up one second. Anyways. Blade um, Runner 2049. There you go. So um, he was talking about production design and said that they had come up with a variety of settings that support the mood of the characters as well as the story. You can definitely see that. 
Um, he points out that the Sullivan home is in cool blue tones to reflect the wintry atmosphere that exists both inside and outside the house. I love that mm. idea, you know, and you can see that in the film. Like, there's not a difference in tone between outside and inside. Um, and he said, by comparison, the color scheme of the Rooney house is much warmer because um, although he's a gangster, he has a certain warmth and charm. So it's like that kind of old money feel, you know, that style where Paul Newman and Craig, Daniel Craig live. Mm -hmm. Big difference, not just because of their classes, but the, the feel and the color scheme. And yeah, I just love all that attention to, to super detail. Um, yeah. So what do you got, Nick? Dude's credits. <laughs> I got I got Dennis Glasner's yeah. credits. Just Gassner, um, uh -huh. which I feel like an idiot for not like knowing all of these by heart. Uh, <laughs> I well, think that would actually make you an idiot, but okay. So, oh, they're making a Wicked movie. Did anyone? Did you know yeah, that? You know of about course, that? Frank knows about it. Uh, so you did twenty forty nine. Talk about that production. Into the woods. Into the woods. Skyfall. Oh. I'm just going to skip around nice. here a bit. Jarhead, uh, mm -hmm. Big Fish, Road to Perdition, Oh Brother, Who Art? Th Where Art Thou? Truman Show, nice. Waterworld, <laughs> Barton Fink, cool. Field of Dreams. We did a bunch of Coen, uh, Coen Brothers films. Yeah. Miller's Crossing, which is my favorite Coen oh, Brothers yeah, there film. It is right there. And that has a similar feel, Road yeah. to Perdition and, yeah, and Miller's true. Crossing. Did they come out around the same time? No. No? I love that opening scene in Miller's Crossing. Yeah. yeah that's so good. Yeah. All right, so what's another film you have? I got two I want to talk about real quick. No. Yeah, I'm going to do it in a cool way, though. Okay. That's not going to be a cool way. I'm just going to do it fast so you can't stop. <laughs> okay. Um, so, well, we, we're, we've been talking about all these era films. Uh, so I want to throw in Silence. Okay. Because uh, I, I, I finally watched that. How long did um, it take you to watch? It took me a while. <laughs> Uh, which is weird because I loved it. It wasn't boring to me. It's pretty boring. To me, it wasn't boring. I really enjoyed well, why it. Why didn't you watch it all in one sitting then? Because it was too boring. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like so much of, again, like we keep going back to the idea of world and characters, but that's really what this is all in like support of, uh, you know, comes back to, to that. And I thought that was really interesting to see sort of this American take on this uh, European-Japanese conflict that was happening um, and how much of uh, just, you know, trying to find, like, the genuine authenticity of that and how that played into bringing you into that world. Um, and super Kurosawa influence. Very, very, very Kurosawa. Kurosawa. Like, I mean, those those opening shots, you're like, yeah. I know what you were watching before you guys did this. <laughs> um but then as the movie goes on, it, it becomes less and less in your face and it, you get, maybe it's just because you get more involved in the story or, or whatever it is. Um, so I, I like that in terms of films I recently saw for era stuff, but I also wanted to talk about uh, The Florida Project, which is another, like it's a contemporary film, takes place modern day, uh, and it's building a world that actually exists, this, you know, these motels that people live in. Um, in this type of housing, uh, um, you know, situation. And so much of that film is like, what is that location? What are, you know, those sets, which was a real set that they, you know, they took taken over that motel and it was actually like functional too, while they were shooting there. Um, you know, the decisions of how they costume, which is, you know, a different conversation, but in the same realm, uh, how they costume the girls and all the characters. And it just like, they were able to, 
to, which I think is a difficult thing, a seemingly difficult thing, um, create character and color schemes for each person and elevate those so that they're not purely real world, mm -hmm. uh, but do it in a way that still feels very naturalistic and very part of this world that like we've all seen certain degrees of, so like we have a direct reference to mm -hmm. it. Um, versus I think like era pieces, like our knowledge of era films are really rooted in other era films right? Um, or photographs or, you know, there's yeah. no firsthand accounts of yeah. those things. Um, same thing with like Blade Runner. There's no firsthand account of what, cause it's make believe, but you know, when you're trying to do it for a real world thing, mm -hmm. uh, I think it's a place that's easy to get lazy mm -hmm. and I appreciate that it, they didn't get lazy and they use it yeah. as a place to elevate the film. That is cool. Yeah. I like that. Um, so, Frank, yes. do you have another one? Well, yeah, two. You uh, just, just said two. Dumbass. Oh, dummy. <laughs> Silence in the Florida Project. Way to pay Silence. attention. Oh, that's right. <laughs> um, well, I wouldn't, what did I say so far? I'm trying to think. I don't think I had any other so ones. So you don't have any other ones? Okay, yeah. what about you? We talked about Jurassic Park. I heard that oh, yeah. come out of your mouth. Oh, I, oh, I was going to do Magnificent Seven because of it's mm. been remade. It was influenced by... For production design? Get the yeah. fuck out of here, man. <laughs> yeah, I hated that movie. <laughs> Let's get real. <laughs> it wasn't bad. <laughs> Frank, I anything? think you have value. I have more. Because right. I have to go. Oh, Let's make this okay. the Sonya Chin Chat. Streets of it Fire. Is. Streets of Fire. That's a good one. That I saw recently. And, yeah. Um, love the production design. Can you talk a little bit louder? Sorry. Love the production design, art design. Streets of Fire. Directed <laughs> by Walter Hill. 1984. Mm -hmm. um, amazing, yeah. unique combo of 50s, mm -hmm. 80s, uh, dirty, gritty streets. Yeah. Diane Lane. Rick Moranis. <laughs> 80s ballad rock. Uh, yeah. Just um, the lights, the neon, the well, rain. It has kind of a Blade Runner feel too, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, Blade Runner so feel. Um, I don't. It's, like, it's not a great movie, but I do like the way it looks. It's like a great <laughs> adventure no, story. I mean, it's great for what it is. It's kind of like a it's comic like booky the, kind of in like, the same vein as the Warriors to me. Yeah, it's or like, like it's all, it's almost good, like West Side Story ish. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I get okay. <laughs> Even Defoe looks uh, like Brad Pitt like, there. Yeah, like the smoke and the, the lighting. I mean, I guess the cinematography yeah. is a big part of the look of the film, too, which isn't strictly art production, but... Uh, yeah, it's got cool art production design. For sure. I like the, the, the neon lights and all of that. Yeah. And, you know, I'm a big fan of that look, of that, that kind of 80s look, and I love any, like, sort of more current films, like the all, pretty much all Nicholas Winding Refn's films lately have that. But he's developed it into his own thing. You know, so that's really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I watched Neon Demon recently too. Actually. Yeah, that's a great design. And the, the new uh, show looks really awesome too. Like, I just love it. I'm so it. excited it's, for this show. Yeah. I have no um, idea what to Diane. expect. Me either. Um, I do follow on Instagram mm -hmm. and I also follow the, the um, filming of it. You know, they show like live stuff sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I don't know what to expect either. All right, my next example. Mm -hmm. Of, of great art direction that I love, and you'll appreciate this too, Nick. <laughs> what? Yeah. Mindhunter! Yeah! So, let me talk about Mindhunter. Um, so, 
there's dozens and dozens of people in the art department for Mindhunter. But I'm going to talk about um, sort of the head heads, department heads there. Um, Steve Arnold did the series production design. Um, notably, he also uh, is uh, on Castle Rock, did the production design for that, and uh, House of Cards. Hmm. Um, the series art direction was by um, Andres Kublion, and he did the production design on the new film, The House with a Clock in Its Walls. I don't know if you guys saw. We it's just saw trailer the trailer. Okay. Yeah. With Jack Black. Yeah. And also The Alienist. Um, also, Gary Costco is on the art direction, and he did Carnival, Out of Furnace, the 2009 Star Trek. Um, but I love that David Fincher, especially the episodes he directed, um, I'm sure you've noticed this too, Nick, in terms of just being a director, how um, he, he, he really works with design um, heavily in terms of how he shows character shifts and uh, blocking. Mm. So mm. I think it's awesome. Um, I was reading a quote where he said, uh, it's about control and dominance and also about misogyny, um, you know, Mindhunter. Mind um, so in his collaboration with production designer, he really uh, worked to bring out some of those kind of elements and um, also that authentic 70s look, which I just love that he nails that look, you know, like it just, I mean, if you were to do like straight up authentic 70s, it would look really fucking goofy, right. but he does it in a way that is still like looks good now. <laughs> Um, without it's like making Zodiac versus American Hustle. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly. Or or fucking Argo. <laughs> I thought you liked Argo. <laughs> Shut up. I fucking hate Argo. Guess you don't. Um, but yeah, and and I was reading about that interrogation scene with Kemper. Mm -hmm. Fucking love all that stuff. But um, yeah, production design and lighting work together for that scene to bring a monochromatic background, which you know it makes it feel like. Uh, it gives it that like cold feeling kind of like scary sense where you're just like oh shit anything can happen here but it's all gray too mm -hmm. so um, but yeah I was reading about where they shot it and um, they altered the space in the interview room in an actual prison um, and then they had a couple different rooms that expanded and they made it um, as though it was the library reading room in prison um, said that Fincher wanted to be uh, a different kind of space, less threatening in a way. Um, the thing that's threatening about Kemper is himself. So I just love that they're thinking about all these different things that are important to making the scene perfect. And the production design lends so much to that. Yeah. That made me, well, because you brought up Zodiac in relation to Mindhunter. Um, I don't see why. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it kind of goes like back to like, like it's an era piece, but it Mindhunter doesn't feel like an era piece right, to doesn't. me. Like it feels like th there's interesting parts of it. And it's like, oh yeah, I guess that's what it was like. But um, like it's like the stylized, like you said, heightened version of it. And I feel like Zodiac does a similar thing to it, where it, like it makes yeah. those elements work for the story. Yeah, it's like it's more of like this period time period takes place in this story versus the yeah. story doesn't take place in this time period. Right. Um, but then that made me think of going back to what I was saying on the last pick of just contemporary stuff um, of Gone Girl, which mm -hmm. has a very kind of similar, I think, quality to it. Mm -hmm. uh, again, you know, Fincher film. 
um, dealing with you know crime and murder and all that stuff uh, where things are elevated like it's real world but there's just this heightened component yeah. to it um, so yeah I think that's cool anyways <laughs> what I was going to bring up for my next one uh, is a serious man Oh. Uh, which might be my favorite Coen Brothers film. Interesting. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. And not many people like think about that film. It's so good. Yeah. And it's another of like in the realm of invisible work, but it just makes everything yeah. like it just, everything is about atmosphere in that movie. Right. And it's a very like small atmosphere because this guy is in, he's going through this existential crisis mm -hmm. and wife is leaving him and there's you know these other issues that are going on but it's kind of a comedy too uh but just the the world building there of which i, I can't remember exactly where it takes place um but it just it all of it uh it's someplace in the midwest yeah um but you feel like you're kind of a part of that world and that world grows to have like more menacing qualities to it yeah, and it's cool because like something like that where it's subtle mm -hmm. um, is it's all just there. And you don't really register it at the time when you're viewing it, but you know it's it's every single prop, every single like the, the wardrobe or sorry the the wallpaper, the the pieces of furniture that they picked yeah. out, everything that's on the shelves. You know, all that stuff lends to this one big picture. Um, but yeah, I, and I love the colors in that too. And it gives it almost this kind of like mythical feeling mm -hmm. to it. Like it feels like you're watching, and maybe it's because it's kind of framed by like some of the Old Testament stuff and the ancient Hebrew mythology and then kind of what happens at the end. Uh, but it has this, this component to it where it's just like this isn't part of the actual real world. Mm -hmm. Like this is something else. Yeah. Um, also, I wanted to bring up this show real quick called AP Bio. I don't know if you guys watch it. It's a sitcom that came out this past year. Uh, it's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> but it has such a great color scheme to it. And I just I feel like you don't really see this much care and interest put into oh, yeah. like a color scheme and into a design for you know for a network like sitcom. A comedy, yeah. Yeah, and it's just everything is these these blues and uh, this maroon color and it's this sort of weird pastel mm -hmm. and whether it's in the school or in the um, he lives in his mom his deceased mom's home and like it just all has this kind of like washed out feeling and yeah. everybody dresses in this type of this type of blue. Yeah, good deal. Um, yeah. That's cool. Uh, and it's never like drawn attention to or anything like that, yeah. but it's just part of the look of the show. Breaking Bad did a great job yeah. with colors and characters. Um, yeah, sticking with the same colors for the characters is, is great. Um, so I have one more that I want to talk about. Is it Mad Max? You guys have like, yeah, it's fucking Mad Max. Fury Road. Dumb bitch. Uh, <laughs> Because today. today, you know me, right? We've known yeah. each other a little while, right? More so than usual. No, do you I think I definitely watch? think so. Do you listen to the podcast? This is how I act every single time. Oh, She's always been to us. Playing a character. Yeah. No, I'm not. It's me. She's been playing one for her entire life. <laughs> do you want to stop what? playing the character? No. Why don't you just reveal your true self to the world, Sonia? Because the one time I pretended to be really nice and sweet. Yeah, it was uncomfortable. Maybe <laughs> real uncomfortable. I've seen that side of her before. When? 
I like that side of you. It's actually really good. Man. We should just use that side. I saw you shed a tear in, um... Shape of Water. Yeah. Shape of Water. Oh, that was a great production that was, design. That, is, that was... That's a terrible production. <laughs> Shut up. Water. You're stupid. But really, the real story is her crying. It, it was, was like, one was tear. It was like... Whoop. I saw it, man. I looked over and I was like... Oh. God and damn then, it. Like, sizzled. I don't know I what like to this. do. It splashed me. And I, I was like... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's fucking stupid. Like hydrochloric acid. Yeah. <laughs> but no. Production design won an Oscar, a BAFTA, and Art Directors Guild Award in a fantasy film because you can't get any better production design than fucking Fury Road. Right? That's true. It, it's just insane. Like, Jesus Christ. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yep. I don't even like want to get into it that much because it's too much. <laughs> no, but I, I love uh, all the fucking cars. Like they established parts out of 350 cars to custom build. That's crazy. Um, so much of that film goes above and beyond than it needed to. I mean, I'm happy that it did. Yeah. But it's just such a fucking feast for the eyes, you know. Like they they thought about like. What would people use if the Armageddon started? What would they use to survive? They made those props. They found the right location. And then they even carved out, like, rocks and paths and things to make it even more of that. You know, like, the way they filmed it was perfect. Um, what just, shooting? Was it in Australia? It was actually in Africa. Namibia. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, because you, Australia didn't have the right look for what sure. they were going for. And <laughs> Is that right? Probably. Um, but, you know, they thought about so many things to get this whole production going it's like it, it was one of the rare films where you're like it's it, that was worth the wait yeah uh, yeah so much happens in that movie for and a so film much happens. about going there and back <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's just like that it's the epitome it's of fantastic art direction and production design. yeah that and and like here's one that has to do with um some like cgi design stuff uh, Apocalypto. Fucking amazing mm. production design. Mel Gibson movie? Really? Yeah. yeah. And it has, like, you know, stuff that was computer generated because mm -hmm. it had to be. Yeah. But man, that was some shit right there. And again, that that's was like. That's such a good action movie. Yeah, yeah, and again, that's only, like, what you can imagine those times were like mm. and then amplify it. Yeah. But yeah, such a great fucking movie. It feels, it feels legit. Yeah. It's probably what it was like yeah. back in those days <laughs> when my ancestors were raped. Alright, so I don't have anything else on production design. Do you? Nah. You guys don't either, do you? Alright, let's just wrap it up. Wrap, wrap, wrap it up. Let's Ready? play the wrap up. We're not talking about scores. I don't know if you know how this works, but <laughs> I do an episode, I cut, the next episode happens, oh. and that's the next one. Alright. Should I stop recording? Yeah.